I am Jim Collison, and live from the Gallup campus here in Omaha, Nebraska, this is Gallup's Builder Talent Tuesday, Season 1, recorded on April 25th, 2017. Builder Talent Tuesday is a Gallup webcast series that dives deep into the builder profile talents, one talent at a time. Today's talent's profitability. If you have questions, comments, or contributions during this webcast, we do have a live chat room that's available for you right below the main video window. Just look right down there. We'd love to have you in the chat room. That will give us a chance for you to ask us questions live during the program. Bottom left-hand corner is the login button. Choose the guest account. Uh, put your name in where it says guest. Take those numbers out of there. Then hit submit, and you will be in the chat room. You can also pop that chat window out. Two red boxes, upper right-hand corner. Just pop it out. Put it anywhere on your screen. If you want to do that, you can watch us and chat live with us as well. We'd love to have you do that. If you're listening to the recorded version or have questions about custom strengths coaching solutions for small, medium, or large organizations, or really any questions about the Builder Profile 10, we'd invite you to send us an email. Send that to coaching at gallup.com, and that's just a great way to get information or questions answered after the program. Micah Librant is our host today. Micah works as a workplace consultant here at Gallup. Micah, always good to be back on Builder Talent Tuesday. Welcome back. Thanks, Jim. Great to be here. Well, we've got profitability today and uh, kind of exciting. This is one of those things that's very low for me, so I'm very excited to kind of dig in. Micah, when we look at the builder profile and we look at this this thing we call profitability, give us some idea where we're going with it. What is it and how does it work? Sure. So I love getting to tell people that today we're hosting a podcast about profitability. Who wouldn't want to join that? <laughs> but that could be because it's actually right there middle of the range for me. With BP10, you talk about typically your top four. Profitability lands at number five for me. Uh, thankfully, we'll have Tim McCabe on who will help us learn about profitability. It's number one for him. So profitability as a theme sounds a little bit like this. If you follow along with our companion guides, you'll find the definition right there. People especially talented in this theme, couple sharp business instincts with a fascination with making money. My favorite phrase on the entire definition is that they evaluate decisions through the prism of profitability. So it is this constant, I think, strategic nature of how do I weigh any decision, any relationship, any um, opportunity against the potential to, to make money. So it is, I think, a, it's keeping your return on your investment very uh, front of, of the energy that you bring to your business. Um, this theme's power and edge sounds a little like this. People with this theme evaluate all business decisions through this prism, again, of profitability. They establish clear financial goals and use data to measure progress. They formulate unique insights from the data that others may miss. And I think it's interesting to think about with all of these themes, but specifically with profitability, what is it that they are tuned into? What is their radar? are picking up that maybe other people aren't even considering or definitely aren't weighing as as important. And for people with profitability, it is the connection to between your inputs and the profitability of your output. Let's talk a little about what this talent looks like in action. If you think about it in a real person, you might see a consistent emphasis on money, uh, clear goals and measurement toward those goals, really using that business filter to judge every opportunity, every relationship, every decision against what's going to give you the best return on that investment. Um, it's, it's also about thinking about and spending a lot of your conversations focusing on how can we grow? How can we stretch what we're able to do and get an even better um, profit at the end of it? Um, 
people with high profitability could be impatient with unnecessary cost of any detour or obstacle or even potential delay. Um, I think what they are especially uh, set up to do well is to help align employee goals with the success of the organization. And if you have read our most recent State of the American Workplace report, you'll find that one of the issues that leads to employee apathy or people being not engaged is a disconnect between what I do every day and what my business accomplishes. So imagine the the power in somebody with high profitability being able to be that builder, that leader, that that person who can help people quickly connect what they're doing every day to the change or the impact that that has on your organization or even on your customers. Um, and it's not just because that they're high in in the ability to influence, it's probably because they're constantly thinking about it profitability tend to keep a close eye on operational costs and again are are constantly filtering through those that lens of uh, of return on investment and and I think that it can lead them to being quicker to jump on to great opportunities uh, than than other people might be simply because they're constantly uh, filtering those through and evaluating them they could notice uh, the the potential in a great opportunity that other people wouldn't have wouldn't have paid attention to Let's now jump in. We want to talk a little bit about potential blind spots and investment opportunities. And then um, I don't want to delay too much before we get to Tim. So just a few blind spots that, that could arise with uh, with this theme. You could lose sight of customers in your quest for profit uh, because you're constantly looking at what's going to be the most profitable decision. It could be easy to lose track of, hey, there's there's humans on the other end who are my customers. So let's invest in that. Let's think about how do you strategize or make a customer focus a part of your your automation process? How can you bake customer focus into your philosophy and also think about the habits, the structures, the uh, the daily routines even that align your action based on that, that customer focus philosophy? Another blind spot is uh, you could put high pressure on employees to maintain that high level of performance that you know will get you that great profitability. And that can feel like um, like you care more about the numbers than the people. So think about paying attention to the morale within your organization. Look for indicators that lead to profit. So if, if you are speaking that language of profit, and again, thinking of that prism of profitability, uh, look for maybe what are the leading indicators that get you there and how can you celebrate them. That might be something like uh, people showing up to work or people um, stretching their own sales targets or looking at what are some of those pieces that are more on the, the behavioral economic side of things that are going to be great indicators of the, um, the uptick in, in, your, in your profit at the end. Uh, my final blind spot I have here is you could forget to value the means over the end. Uh, and in many cases, that might not matter. <laughs> but um, it, I think I would encourage folks with high profitability to find your best voice for appreciating hard work. Find the best way that you can recognize the inputs that go into creating great high performing uh, results and really make that a, a priority so that so that people get a peek at what you're noticing. Because again, you're noticing things that other people might miss and allowing people into that through the vehicle of recognition could be a really, uh, I think, great door opener for some potential partnership and for the ability to, to truly build morale. 
when we think about how can we invest in this talent even further, think about using specific timelines and indicators to measure business goals, paying attention to how you value your time. For many entrepreneurs, you can end up wearing every single hat in the business. And because you probably have a better lens on what's the best return on your investment than others do, think about yourself as an investment as well and really get picky about where you are spending your time and where you are investing in partners. Uh, I think be, be choosy about where you can make the biggest impact and spend your time there. Also think about how can you stretch your short and long-term vision and how can you share that with other people? Uh, constantly learn and be curious uh, about how you can notice the the human elements of your business. I'm not suggesting that people with high profitability don't notice it, but the more you can lean into um, a recognition and awareness and a knowledge of what goes into um, the, the the inner workings of the partnerships and the engagement of your teams, the the more you can look for greatness and be able to replicate that from the very beginning, avoiding any of those hurdles or delays or detours we talked about previously. That's a a big, long um, introduction to profitability, including a technical glitch. So thanks for hanging in there with us. At this point, I really want to introduce the star of the show, somebody who actually leads with profitability number one, Tim McCabe. Tim, thanks for joining us on the program today. Thanks, Micah. Look forward to it. So Tim's joining us today from Tompkins Cortland Community College in upstate New York. Tim, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. I'm the chair of the entrepreneurial department. Uh, our president, at one, about six months after I came on board 10 years ago, who I had worked for 25 years earlier, interestingly, um, <coughs> excuse me, he uh, wanted to meet me in his office. He had a great idea. And uh, he said, hey, I know you're pretty entrepreneurial. I'd love to create an entrepreneurial department here at TC3. So we spent about 18 months putting it together. And uh, I have now got about 25 majors uh, or 25 students who've majored in the program, who've now graduated, who are out there either as car detailers or consultants or um, hair beauticians. I mean, it's it's one of the really, really great things about this job is all my students have totally different interests, different, you know, passions. And uh, we have an internship program they go through. And that's my biggest challenge, finding them opportunities for all their internships in the in the local community. So um, I've been doing this for 10 years before I was in corporate America. I was uh, vice president of sales for an amenity company, the little soaps and shampoos you see in the bathrooms of the hotels. Traveled uh, all over the United States and Canada, but uh, was never home. And my wife helped me to understand that there were greater priorities than making money. (laughs) Mm. Sound familiar? And uh, so uh, when I understood that my two boys thought I loved my job more than them, um, she was great in helping me understand that. It kind of changed my perspective pretty quick and uh, literally walked away from a, a six-figure job 20-some years ago and started a consulting business working with small business owners, helping them with sales and marketing and uh, small business uh, management and leadership and so forth, and then came back to teaching after being out of it for 25 years. So I have the unique ability of having taught here for three and a half years, left, and then came back 25 years later. 
Wow, what powerful perspective. When you think about that journey going from um, a more corporate role to something you personalize so you could meet the needs of your family to coming back to teaching, where have you noticed the theme of profitability showing up? Well, it, it certainly um, shows up in I'm pretty strategic in the sense that I'm always looking at the big picture, trying to you know see how do I become more efficient um, how do I maximize the return on my investment, whether it's time or money? Um, and to me, that's, you know, part of me. It's it's what I do and how I do it. And, uh, you know, it's always that kind of a perspective that you have that you're looking at everything, like you say, through that prism of of profitability and, and income return on investment and things of that nature. Have you gotten better at that prism of profitability? Is it something that you've improved upon? Um, I've probably gotten more mature and understood how at times that prism was too uh, out of control, too domineering, maybe would be the right point to, to make, and uh, enabled me as I managed people for a number of years how to realize that you know it was what the people's perception was and, and how do I relate to them and sometimes the pressure, pressure and stress I might have put them under to try to achieve the, the monthly sales goals or the, the yearly income goals that I needed to be a little bit more sensitive to them and what they were doing and, and how my leadership was at times maybe creating a little stress for them. I can understand how it would create stress. Let's talk first about the flip side of that. What benefit for others has your profitability theme created? I think it it's enabled them to um, see see the big picture, see the strategic focus of what we're trying to accomplish, um, enable them to understand how that by working together we could accomplish those goals and objectives. Um, we took a pretty small business and went from four to 40 million in about 10 years. And uh, it was uh, a lot of work. We loved what we did. It was a lot of fun, but at the same time, we, we put in long hours and uh, that was just expected sort of in the, in the corporation of what we had to try to get as much done as we could in a short period of time, but try to still have fun while we did it. So I think by, having that perspective on profit it kind of helped the members of the organization see where we're going and, and what do we need to do to get there. That's fantastic. I like that ability of, it, it's almost like a, a comforter or a calming aspect to say, let's not get caught up in everything else. We can focus on making the most profitable decision. Yeah. How do you do your best thinking? Are, are those sorts of things, uh, do, does it just come naturally or do you have to go into a profitability zone? What does that look like for you? Um, no, I, I think my best, as I've gotten older, I've gotten less extroverted, more introverted to go to Myers-Briggs, for example. And I think I used to be much more, my thinking was done more in front of others and I was pretty good on my feet and things like that. But now I think I'm doing a lot, a lot more of introspection. And um, when I've got some time in my office to stop and think of where we're going and how to get there, um, I, I think that's changed over time. And I don't know if that's maturity, older age. <laughs> I'm not sure what that is. 
What have you learned about the theme of profitability as you've been studying BP10 and working with this tool? What what have been some of your your eye-opening learning moments? Um, Well, you know, I think you learned that a lot of people you wouldn't expect to have that theme high are surprisingly in that theme. And uh, I have a number of my students uh, in my entrepreneurial class, we give them the BP10 as a project. And so I've had probably 80, 90 students in the last year and a half take the BP10. And so then we cover it during the course. Uh, We go over each of the 10 key talents and we find out, they get to find out what their talents are. And I'm always surprised when I see some of the students who come out with a high profitability, they weren't students that I would have thought would have scored there at times. So it's kind of interesting. Say more about that. What's the difference or what would you have thought that, that, that they would have scored high? Um, you, know, you know, I I don't know if I can identify a specific leadership trait, but it might have been more, more sales um, from the selling perspective or maybe um, the determination area in terms okay. of the leadership. But um, and, and it's also hard with 30 to 35 students in a class to get to know them deep enough from when they've taken the test to, to really feel like you know who they are and, and how they think. Um, but yeah, it's, it's surprised me definitely in the last year. Sure. I, do you think it's fair to think about profitability as sort of the, the engine at the back and maybe sales or determination as the first knock on the door? <laughs> I almost feel like it's just different ways that you strategize. Well, the interesting point, I was a VP of sales. My lowest talent is selling. Mm. And I found that really surprising. Um, but yet, when I thought back at it, I never loved selling and I always felt I was a better manager than a salesperson. And so I could I could sell, but I didn't wasn't what I got the most enjoyment out of. And what I enjoyed was managing others who sold and teaching them how to sell. And at the same time, helping put the, the right people in the right positions in order to make that sell, selling work for everybody. How did that work for you? Were, were you a successful VP of sales? Yeah, um, I enjoyed it. We, you know, as we mentioned, we grew from four to 40 million um, and it was a wonderful experience. Um, I just felt I needed to leave because I was too wrapped up in my, in my job. And uh, my children were at that time... 10 and 12, uh, 9 and 12. And I had recently lost my dad during that period of time. And it kind of taught me a valuable lesson. Hey, maybe you need to think about what are the bigger priorities in your world. It's not just the income you make and the the house you can live in, but it's the, the quality of the parenting you can provide. Wow. I, I feel like profitability maybe is, is different than that selling piece and that it feels like it's a little bit more evaluative or, or a little bit more about the, the strategy behind it or what can we accomplish versus yeah. the energy of, of going out there and selling. But they all play together. Mind if I just tell people your top four here? Sure. Tim leads with profit, confidence, delegator, and knowledge. How do you see uh, th- those other three playing out with your profitability? Well, I think confidence is um, critically important in a managerial role or a teaching role that you you need to, 
you know, represent well who you are and show the enthusiasm you have for what you do. And the confidence gives you that. I, I grew up not very confident and was able to acquire it through some teachers that I had in my career and kind of changed my life in a very positive way. And so I'm able to give that lesson and give that example to my students as to how I was able to become much more confident. I was a little red haired kid with freckles and, uh, you know, uh, played golf. And so I wasn't really the most talented, the most athletic, the most academic, but yet um, got to a point where I could saw that I could succeed and develop and teachers had confidence in me. And it really just helped me become much more confident as an individual. So I think it's a, a trade I try to show them that they can enhance and improve upon um, if they, you know, but they need somebody critical in their life to, to speak to them and, and to give them that motivation and that, that pat on the back to help them see that they can do it too. I love the connection to all life, where it sounds like uh, you, you talk about leaving jobs and starting new jobs and going back to old jobs and you never discredit if it was a loss. Is there some part of profitability that helped you see all of these, these transition points as being opportunities? Probably. Um, you know, I'm a, if you go back to the strengths quest, I'm a learner. So as a learner, I'm constant. I didn't take that test until I was about 55. And by that time I'd changed jobs like 15 times. And so when I realized I was a learner with my number one strength, and I didn't even know that was a strength at the time that I was able to show my wife, see, so this is the way I am and why I'm the way I am that I get bored easily in a job. And then I need something else to go to the next step. And I think, you know, profitability was part of that. Okay. I've accomplished this task. Now what's next? And, um, you know, it was like, it, I, I, enjoyed that flexibility and being able to move from career to career and industry to industry and do different things. So, you know, I think that it that helped me just see I when with the confidence that I had the ability to move from one position to another and that I felt comfortable I was going to be able to be successful, including walking away from corporate America and just being a self-employed consultant. So, Tim, oftentimes when we think about um, in with StrengthsFinder, we have these things we call theme biases. And as we're starting to flush out uh, this BP10, or I'm also noticing some talent biases that kick in and that profitability is always about cutthroat, making the, the hard decisions that make the most money for the company. And yet you had some statements that you said when you, you got to that point and your family came to you and said, Hey, like you're working a lot. You're focusing on that. Can you walk me through a little bit of just kind of that process of how inside kind of what, what you did or what, what was it that made you make that change to based on your values as opposed to based on the, the, you know, what you're doing in business. Can you talk sure. a little bit about that? Sure. Um, well, I um, always use paradigms to help my salespeople understand that there really is not much of a reality. It's only your perception of it. And my perception from a little kid was, hey, you, you work really hard, you go out and get your, your PhD, you uh, get a great job, you make a lot of money, you die rich, and it's all good. And, uh, you know, that paradigm started to change after I had children. Um, 
And um, during the first five to 10 years of my, of the kids' lives, I traveled a great deal because of this job. And my wife sat in on the paradigms one time with my salespeople and we had a flight home and she had me right where she wanted me in first class against the window. And she said, so um, let me, let me make sure I understand that, that what you're trying to tell me is there's no such thing as reality. There's only your perception of it. And I said, yeah. And my wife and I don't always go like that. You know what I'm saying? That we've been married 40 years, but we kind of come from different worlds. And I said, yeah, exactly. And she said, well, that's, that's really interesting. And the way she said it, I knew, uh-oh, bend over, here it comes. <laughs> and that's when she said to me that, well, maybe it would be helpful if you're, you knew how, what your kids thought of you. And, of course, my perception is I was doing everything for them, gave them a beautiful house in a wonderful neighborhood, all the things I didn't have as a kid. But, of course, their perception was dad's gone five days a week, four days a week, comes home and is really busy on Saturday, goes into his office, deals with his 40 employees, and on Sunday he sleeps, and then he goes out Monday morning. And so their perception is I love my job more than them, and I loved my job. Mm -hmm. So I, when she told me that, it broke my heart. And um, it just was like, wow, you're kidding me. And literally about a week and a half later, my dad passed away. And it just kind of helped me at 65 realize, hey, life is short. I need to do something different. And I need to, you know, think about how my children are perceiving me because that's all that mattered to them. It didn't matter how what I thought. It mattered what they thought. Yeah. And so the talent, that profitability talent just doesn't go away because you choose like, oh, hey, I'm going to choose new values, right? It doesn't go away. So in the new paradigm, as you think about now looking back and you made this value change, um, how what what's it look like in the new world? I mean, you're still making decisions based, right? That just doesn't stop. You're yeah. just choosing to spend your time differently. What did that time look like? Because I think that's really important for people to hear this because I think some people feel trapped. They've got to be in that where they're killing it you know, and they don't have to be. So what did it look like for you? Well, I mean, it, it was a transition for sure to go from, you know, a vice president of a company with 800 employees to self-employed, go from six-figure income to the first year, I think I made $12,500. And my wife at times was thinking, why the hell did I talk to him about that? <laughs> but she was a school teacher, so she had that flexibility and she had that consistency of pay and we just slowly built that business. But um, it, it was a, a significant change and a, and a major challenge, but one that um, I enjoyed going into organizations, working with them. And so I was able to kind of, instead of always having one organization I worked for, I was able to work with a number of companies. And that helped me from that profitability paradigm of how do I help them grow and expand and develop and I did some CEO advisement with small companies trying to, how do we keep, get them focused on what's important? What are their you know key success factors that they might've been too busy working in their business instead of on their business? Yeah. Do, do you find that profitability is important regardless of the size of the organization? Is that what I hear you saying? Is that you think through that, whether it's a hundred million dollar business or a a hundred dollar business, yeah. so to speak. Is that, would you agree with that? Sure. I mean, cause even in a small business without it, you're not going to be able to pay the bills. You're not going to be able to, you know, you're going to have a lot of stress. If you've got a few employees, are you going to make payroll on Friday? And 
So you've got to be really focused on the bottom line, focused on the sales generation you can achieve, and how do you do it more efficiently. So absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I think that's just a great point that it doesn't always have to be profitability. It doesn't always have to equal a hundred or $500 million or a billion dollar business, right? That yeah. someone at home, someone with a home business, someone working a small business uh, in an entrepreneur um, sense, like I'm just getting going. We're not making any money. How would you, when you would think about how would you lend that away, that profitability to a group? that is maybe struggling with it. Is that something you can just come into and kind of consult into to help them become more profitable? Well, um, I found that I need to work with the, the leader of that organization first and make sure that you've got the, the president or the owners or the entrepreneur understanding here's where, for whatever reason, you haven't been as successful as you could be, um, whether it's the, the product line needs to be enhanced or the processes need to be improved or the he needs to hire different or better people to work for him or her. Um, and so once I got the buy-in from the entrepreneur or the CEO or whoever it might be, then it was, how do I pass this message down to the troops? And with his or her support, oops, with his or her support, I'm able to, uh, you know, get things accomplished. But fighting the person at the top is uh, a no-win battle. Yeah. Micah, one more question, and then I'll let you jump back in. Sorry to, to dominate here, but I, I'm enjoying the, the, the conversation. How, how does profitability fit in in the sector that you're in now? So you're in higher ed. Yep. You know, they're not necessarily known as profitability juggernauts. So as you think about what you're doing, and not just the teaching with the students, but are there areas when you think about how do I really make what I'm doing here more profitable? Well, I think it kind of comes down that profitability is in maybe time spent and how do I maximize my time with the a number of commitments that I have. Today was a typical day, had two students, a management, two classes, a management class, an economics class. In between, I interviewed four people for a job that they're looking to hire here. Um, and so it's, you know, and I have students who came to me because one of the classes had a test and they wanted additional help and guidance and support. And so I find when I'm on campus, um, I'm almost 100% of the time involved. And um, I've got people with me almost all the time. And I don't have time to really deal with a lot of my colleagues about, hey, what you do last weekend? And so my colleagues probably don't know me anywhere near as well as the traditional colleague would. But I feel like my time has to be focused on that paradigm of how do I make to get the most results from what I have available. So here I think it's a time issue more than it is a dollar issue. Yeah, it, that's great because that really highlights uh, the chat rooms lighten up and, and kind of responding to what you're saying, which is really awesome. We'd had this conversation about the difference in chat room, the difference between selling and profitability. And someone had mentioned they'd seen those closer to each other. But we, we kind of, as we've been talking about this in the chat, we kind of see profitability as that strategic and that selling is that influence, that high influence to be able to go out there. Can you respond to that a little bit and maybe bring your own, I, I don't know, with your top five from the Clifton Strengths Finder, are you able to bring those in a little bit and tell us how you're wired that way and then kind of throw that in from a strategic standpoint? Sure. Um, I'm learner, responsibility, maximizer. There's what we just talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Relator and individualization. And I think the relator has always been a huge factor for me 
to kind of keep my profitability in control and that it, I didn't get too um, overly um, stressful with my employees or have too great of an expectation because my people were always critically important to me. And, and I've always had this comment, when you're in my life, you're really in my life. But when you're not in my life, you're kind of not in it. And so I've had former employees who, when I've left jobs that I may not talk to for five, 10, 15 years, just because, Hey, I'm now with this group and this group is critically important to me. And, and I try to even tell my students here from semester to semester, don't, don't be upset if when I walk by in the hall, I don't stop and talk to you and say hello. I'm just, I'm into my next session, my next group of kids, and I'm dealing with that. So you know, um, but I try to re- really enhance the relationship while you're in my group, but I'm trying to maximize that return when you are. So that's that paradigm coming back. Yeah, well, and that you have that relator and individualization combo, which makes you thinking about, you're probably thinking about people, a smaller group subset, it might be the next class you're going into, but you're thinking about how can I deliver this and make it an impact sure. to every single one of those to every single one of those people in the class, right? Well, it's like I talked to my management class today in management. You need to be, you need to treat people fairly, but differently. And that's probably the individualization that's coming through for me in that I talked to them about the different profile styles people have and how they are so substantially different. And I can't treat them all the same and motivate them and, and, and get them to maximize their productivity. But at the same time, I got to be fair and I tell them, any of you who've had more than one kid know how difficult that is. Yeah, you're giving a little bit of a clinic today, Tim. Thank you. As we think about profitability and how we tie that in, you know, I think it's really important that we look at our Clifton strengths in, 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 the, in the top five and how that relates to these four BP10 talents, you know, and you're kind of you're giving us a clinic on it today. When you think about the, your partners, as we think about people, who are your best partners? Who do you partner with best to help you move forward and whether that's people who are like you or different than you? I think it's people that's different than me. Um, I've found that in my management career that um, I w- I'm not what I would call highly creative. I'm more, let's get it done. You give me the idea. We'll figure out a way to accomplish the task. So I had a, a marketing manager at my amenity company who was very creative. In fact, the funny thing, all her creativity came in the shower and God knows why she had little kids and maybe it's the only time she could get privacy. And uh, so I, I even threatened to put a shower in our corporate headquarters <laughs> when That's we were great. having problems. That's a great idea. Uh, but I also need technical people behind me because um, I'm, I'm about the least technical person in America and so that's why today was such a – I'm glad I had Amy here to help us with our technical issues and um, because I, I just – I don't – I couldn't – I'm not sure I could fix my flat tire, Jim, if I had a tough flat tire <laughs> on the way home. I'm not even sure I could find the tire in the car. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> – but but that's okay. You've you've found partners like Amy. We had Curtis earlier from Gallup. He's he's my right hand guy on making sure these these things sure. work. You were comfortable. I watched you, and you were comfortable to kind of sit back and let us do our job, get this done. I never saw a panic. You didn't get worried. You were really willing to let that kind of situation play out. Even as we moved into the webcast today, you know we 
we were ready literally three minutes before the top of the hour. You came at it very, you're like, hey, I got this. We're in this. I'm not worried about it. I'm going to let, you know, these people have it have it going. So I think that's a good, just in a, in a small sense, just a good, um, you know, a good example of, of uh, you, your, these themes in action that, that are, you know, that are working. So great, great partners. Who do you struggle with the most when, when you think when you're, who do you partner, who don't you partner with the best and what do you have to do to kind of protect yourself from that? Yeah. um, Know-it-alls are my, my pet peeve. Um, I tell my students, I've never learned anything from a know-it-all and they know everything. Think about that. Um, And that's where I tend to shut them off. And uh, I've learned in my career that uh, there's, and being a learner, see, I'm always expecting to, to find new ideas, new thoughts, new processes, new concepts. And it drives me nuts that somebody can think they already know everything. And so they're no, see, they're so different than me. I can't relate to them. Um, and so that group, I, I struggle with to be able to hear their message. Yeah. How do you, how do you protect yourself from that? I mean, what's the, what's the best strategy if you're, if you're butting up against that, what's the best strategy for you? Um, Try to be a little more patient, uh, listen a little better, um, not push back in a sense um, so that I just, I think that maybe comes with maturity that, you know, in my twenties and thirties might not have been so uh, understanding. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Isn't that funny how when we're younger, a little shorter on time, you know, when you have all the time in the world is when you think you don't have it. And, and yet, uh, as we get older, we kind of realize, oh, these battles, some, some are worth fighting. Some aren't right. From that standpoint, Uh, Monica had a question in the chat room. She said, do you have any, uh, what, or what, uh, since you're a learner, do you have some most profitable books or other knowledge sources that you'd recommend to people with high profitability, uh, that they can really learn from. What do you, when, when you think about publications or learning, what's the best for you? Um, it's interesting. I, I play quite a bit in the market. So I subscribe to about five or six different financial newsletters. Um, uh, I su- subscribe to some economic journals uh, online. Um, and I find I'm on my iPad three hours a day probably reading because um, that's me. I just love to, to read and um, I will read some books. I, I haven't read a novel in probably 25 years. It's all, all business books, all um, self-enhancement books, um, good to great, you know, those types of collections that um, great, the um, Jim Clifton's book, Good Work. Is it Good Work? Oh, I have to. I have to look that up myself. I'm a little embarrassed to say. Well, I'm looking. I'm trying to find it on my shelf. Something about a, the Jobs War, the coming Jobs War. Yeah, the coming, yeah, the coming jobs, jobs War. Oh, that one. Okay, the newest one. I thought maybe it was in. Yeah, the coming. That's, that is a super book, and um, I read that two or three years ago, and um, I found that one of the best books I've read in the last three or four or five years. So I read a lot, but I tend to read newsworthy articles or things that keeps me current for my students or things that helps me with um, becoming more social media aware because my students are so much younger. They're, you know, they knew how to spell LinkedIn before I did, for example. (laughs) Well, but Tim, it sounds like you've made the jump. I mean, you're self-professed that you don't get into technology and yet you're on your iPad. I mean, you're using the tools that you need 
with your iPad, with the reading. I'm sure it maybe Kindle is something that you've gotten into as well to be able to get books. But it doesn't it sounds like to me you use the technology when you want to use it for your to, that that it makes it work for you. So well, yeah. The funny thing, Jim, is I I own a um, mobile marketing company on the side, <laughs> and <laughs> we do text messaging for small businesses. Yeah, and I can barely send the text message out for them, but I've hired two technical wizards who are you know young men who have that experience. And so when it gets to technical issues, um, I pass that along to them. And my friends who know me are like, how the hell did you ever create a business in technology when you can't even spell it? But, but see, that is the art of profitability. I think you've got to the essence of it, which is you don't have to know it to make it profitable. You understand the mechanics of what has to happen. You're also able to get people involved. I don't know where where, where the, the delegation piece fits for you, but it sounds like you're pretty good at delegating what needs to be done. What did you say, Micah? Number three? It's number three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I think you're probably pretty good. And but 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 Tim, I think that's the art of it, right? Is is sure. you don't have to know. You just know it can be. You don't know all the workings and the mechanics of your iPad. You just know how to get to the stuff that works for you, right? I see. Yeah. I see a lot of CEOs and I see a lot of CIOs and even CFOs who are this way as well that they, they don't dig in. I mean, I'm a nerd, right? I spend tons of time understanding the technology and how it works. I can fix it for you. I know where the ins and outs are, but that's because I'm interested in influencing people. And so I want to know how to fix things so I can help people and influence them in that way. In your case, you're taking that profitability. Like, how do I make, how do I get the right people in the right places to do the right things. It sounds very strategic. Yeah. Still want right? to help people, but I could care less about the small details. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just doesn't, uh, it, it bores me almost. And I have a hard time even remembering a lot of those, like where my spare tire is in my car. I've owned the car for six years. <laughs> I've never had to use it. I think I know where it is, but I'm not even 100% sure. You just call it AAA, right? Micah, you want to add some stuff in here? You want to try to jump back in? I'll try. You know, I think that we're uh, we're getting just such a great taste of all of your talents here, Tim. And there's there's a lot of that delegator and confidence wrapped up into, hey, I don't need to know everything in order to to own a great business um, that I don't know the you know the essence of in terms of the the ins and outs of it. But that profitability is the filter that helps you focus on what's the most important goal. And if you think about these ten BP ten themes as being what great successful entrepreneurs need. They've got to either have that profitability theme or have an advisor who can help them remember that at the end of the day, you're in this to make money and, yeah. and you can do more good work if you can continue to make more money. And so I, I hear it as a great uh, theme to help focus your efforts and to bring it back from that big picture into, yeah, but what do we, what do we move forward with? What do, where do we put our energy? Yeah. What do we do now? How do we get to the next step? No, right on. A, a clinic and profitability. And Micah, you're right. I think we have to be careful that we, your profitability is also influenced. And we kind of talked about this, not only by your top five, but the other talents that are around that. And there can be others who have high profitability that could be into the details and, and might mm-hmm. be, who may sure. understand those pieces. 
that's just how it works for you. And so it's just great to, it, it's great to hear those things. Micah, as we think we're in our final moments here, any final questions? I think we covered most of the things that were in the chat room. Any final thoughts or questions? I just want to bring it back to some of the real powerful stories, Tim, that you shared about your ability to filter through the clutter into what matters. And it sounds like you've done that. The way that you've managed to bring your entire life and, and your values into that has been real um, eye-opening and just illustrative for us. And so thank you for uh, for being able to do that. I think that we need to understand profitability as being what grounds us. It, it's not necessarily a, um, a, a strategic, it, it's not the same as the Clifton Finder theme is strategic. Uh, it probably has more to do with focus uh, if you wanted to, to do it that way. But it is that ability to say, I'm seeing every relationship, every opportunity by being able to filter to the bottom line. And you have managed to do that in a very compassionate way, it sounds like, in, in your personal and professional life as well. So thanks, thanks for your leadership. And thanks for, uh, thanks for your learner on top of that, being able to just be constantly curious about that and bring that kind of curiosity into uh, the, the worlds that you, that you serve every day. Yeah, I think that's an important thing to have in the background with profitability. And I also think responsibility being high on my five. Um, I always felt like I had a responsibility to my employees and to the people who were my consultants or who I worked with, um, my employee, the individuals who worked for those companies that I always looked at. It was critically important, especially the people at the lower end of the organization who live day to day, who pay their bills every Friday and they need that to be sure that we're out there selling the products that we're selling and getting the profit that we need so that they can feel comfortable they're going to have a job in six months. And so I constantly stress that to my salespeople. You know, it's great that you make these commissions at times, but even more important are the little people behind us who are doing all the work and who are critically important to our long-term success, but who don't have the, the maybe the fancy homes or the upscale cars or the ability to send their kids to private schools, but they're the ones who are, really making it happen for us. No, that is great. And, and a great reminder of your responsibility with your family as well, right? You, when you sorted, your maximizer sorted by yeah. values. Yeah. And then you made that life decision to say, hey, I'm going to make this change. And uh, your responsibility kicking in at that point to then really adding, a, the, how do I make my family relationships more profitable? It's a great... Um, and, and Jim, it was the best decision I ever made. Yeah, yeah I, I know, right on. Day, still give my wife a tremendous amount of credit for having the guts to point that out to me because she knew I wasn't going to like what she had to tell me. And uh, But it hit me so squarely that my sons are now 38 and 32 or 3, and literally they call me every day, and they have families mm -hmm. and children. And I absolutely know if I hadn't made that change of my perspective, that I probably wouldn't have anywhere near that relationship with them. And I wouldn't have had the ability to be in their lives and their grandchildren, my grandchildren's lives, if I hadn't made that transition. And that's why I'm so for so fortunate. My wife made that comment to me and I was able to take it to heart. That's great. Well, it sounds like she was a great partner for you yeah, in understanding that as well. What a great reminder. And just what a great story, Tim, again, thank you for, 
for being on here. Hang tight for one second. We'll remind everyone to take full advantage of all the resources we have available at the Gallup Strength Center, just gallupstrengthcenter.com. Send us your questions or comments. If you'd like to be a guest blogger over at our coach's blog, you can send us an email, coaching at gallup.com. We kind of like a fully formed blog and something original, four to 600 words is kind of what we're looking for. If you got something like that and you want to share it with the community, send that to us again, coaching at gallup.com. Put guest a blogger in the subject line. And don't forget, oh, we have a link with all of our resources just on our resources page at the, at the uh, coach's blog. Just go to coaching gallup.com. If you're interested in becoming a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach, or if you're interested in, as we reform these BP10 courses, uh, and you want to keep track of everything that's coming up, maybe you're listening to this in 2019, and you're like, hey, what is this BP10, and how do I take advantage of it? Well, head out to courses.gallup.com. It actually has a list of all our courses that are available that lead to the certification on the strength side. And uh, if you're interested in coming to our summit this summer, uh, happening here July 17th, 18th, and 19th of 2017, Head out to Clifton Strength Summit, and all the courses we have available during the summit are 15% off. So, if you would like 15% is a good a good deal off of our courses. So, you want to head out there, CliftonStrengthSummit.com, and get caught up with everything that's coming on with the summit. If you found this helpful, I know most of you did. We had some great feedback in the chat room. Uh, again, thanks for everyone who came out today. We changed the time, and so we appreciate you guys moving along with us. If you found it helpful, we'd ask that you share it. We thank everyone for joining us today, and we'll look forward to the next. Builder Talent Tuesday, and with that, we'll say goodbye, everybody.